High folks, look, I know we keep saying this, but we are working really hard on the next season. And it's a little complicated because we're bringing in guests. We've, look, we can't say right now, but we've got some big names. Yeah, we've been busy as bees and we're lining that all up, but we're going to put it together so we can drop it in one go. Exactly. So what we've got for you today is one of our favourite episodes. It's about the gentleman pirate, Steve Bonnet, an absolute tosser. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Heroes and Howlers and the Rest is History. I'm Mikey Robbins. I'm a bit of a history nerd. But my mate Paul Wilson... Hi, everybody. Paul's a proper historian, all the way from Oxford. Thanks, Mikey. OK, folks, so here's the show. It's about the unsung heroes, yeah. the bizarre twists of fate, those weird bits of history that have surreptitiously changed the course of mankind. Yeah, actually, mate, it's also about the cock-ups. <laughs> yeah. the, those howlers, the moments of madness, and they're sometimes tragic, sometimes comical, that have made the world what it is today. And today we're going to be talking about pirates. Now, now, piracy has a very long history. Let's face it, Paul. We've had pirates since someone built the second boat. <laughs> That's right, yeah. But today we're looking at the swashbuckling pirates of the Caribbean. And one in particular. And not Jack Sparrow. Definitely not, definitely not Johnny Depp doing his Keith Richards impression. <laughs> no, because today, folks, we're looking... Uh, we're back in the 15th century. Um, of course, you just had that great treaty of uh, Tordesillas where the Pope endorses yeah, for Spain and Portugal to divide... The country, the, the world, the Americas. Yeah, that comes in 1494. That's right, 1494. And it's followed up in 1529 with the Treaty of Zaragoza, which basically splits up the Eastern Hemisphere um, between Spain and Portugal. Now, that, what you're saying, Mikey, that's what really moved piracy into the big league. Everything that we would call, you know, the great age of pirates. Yes, mate, because you mentioned, you know, through those treaties, Spain and Portugal, you know, they get all the trade routes, mm. which really ticks off the English and the French. Yep. I mean, not just trade routes, but also talking slave routes mm. and stuff as well. And one of the first nobles to really get ticked off with those treaties is the French mm. King Francois I. Right. He officially sanctions privateering in the 1520s. Right, okay, so he officially does it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah before Elizabeth. Yeah. And they're known as Corsairs. Oh, okay. Which is probably a mispronunciation of the Arabic Corsani for mm-hmm. pirate. Okay. Or maybe it's a bastardization of the Latin um, Corsus. Corse. Corse, yeah, okay, right. And, of course, we don't really hear the word Corsair very much these days, but for a long time, that was definitely the go-to name, wasn't it? Yeah, before buccaneer, privateer, before even our word pirate. In fact... In many ways, it was on the name Corsair that many of the great myths about pirating were founded. Probably thanks to Byron, isn't it, yeah, really, yeah, with, his, with his poem, The Corsair. Was 1814, it was a highly romanticised image of the privateer and there was chivalry and rescuing mm. maidens. It sold 10,000 copies on its first day of release, that poem. Wow, OK. Which was probably the high point of our romantic image of the Corsair because, let's face it, in the 1960s, it was a pretty ugly UK Ooh, family saloon. Yes, I remember those. Ooh. And now best known as an also rather unattractive um, in the US, a Lincoln SUV. Right, but today, folks, we're looking at the reality. We're looking at real pirates. Um, and you've got some names for us, Mikey. These are the ones that sail out with the blessing of the French king. Right. You've got Giovanni di Verrazzano. OK. John Fl- 
Fleury, the Florentino, mm-hmm. and Jean D'Anjo. Now, they're known as the Sea Tramps. Right. And obviously, by their names, you can tell there's, you've got Italians in there as well as the French, but they're flying under the French flag. Well, the French protected also, too. They've also got Dutch money behind them. Oh, right. The Dutch are ticked off about those yep. treaties as well. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, like you said, you then got under Elizabeth I, hot on their heels, <laughs> if you like. You've got the English Sea Dogs, haven't you? Like Drake and Hawkins, Hawkins. and Raleigh, you know. Because they what they were actually in a similar way. They were given the backing, weren't they? Because they got those letters of Mark, you know, the sort of James Bond license to to steal rather than license to kill. And mostly, what they were stealing was was silver from the Spanish. But yes, let's face it, that's actually quite important, isn't it? Because yeah. everyone thinks it's gold, but it no. was actually the silver, wasn't it, coming out of the Americas? It, it, it was. It was very much the silver. So they're attacking the Spanish for the silver. Also, too, there's no honor amongst thieves. Right. I mean, the French would attack the English and vice versa. Sure. Basically, mate, what happened in the Caribbean? State of the Caribbean. But in 1604, it did all change a little bit, didn't it? Because James the I, first, once he comes, uh, takes over from Elizabeth, he can't afford to be at war anymore with the Spanish. Exactly. Yeah, he needs a bit of stability, doesn't he? You know, we said that in the, in the other episode about the gunpowder plot. You know, he's got enough troubles on, on, his, on his plate back at home. So he does a deal um, with the Spanish, and he actually makes peace and promises that there'll be no more piracy coming, yeah, at least f- from his end. And this reaches its zenith with Sir Walter Raleigh, who yeah, James has already put in the towel on sort of trumped up treason charges. For that plot, yeah. Well, he, yeah, Raleigh actually gets led out to go looking for El Dorado, the mm-hmm. mythical city of gold. Well, while he's doing that, and Raleigh says this is against his will, some of his boys attack a Spanish fort. Ah. He gets captured and James has him executed to make it crystal clear that as far as England's concerned, piracy will no longer be tolerated. Right, but that didn't put an end to piracy, did it? No, no, it thrives. It survives. In, in many ways, the golden age is yet to come. You, you were saying to me, the sort of 1650s to the 1730s, you'd see as the, the golden age for yeah, piracy. Well, yeah, that's where you get the big names like Henry Morgan, mm-hmm. William Captain Kidd. Yeah, Captain Kidd. Blackbeard, Edward Teach. Edward Teach, that's right. Yes, that's his real name. Anne Bonnie, the the woman pirate who was... Ah, the Irish. Yes, she was scorned by the aristocracy, but she made her infamy and fortune in the Caribbean. Which brings us to your howler for today, who you're saying was actually a rather to-do gentleman. And I use the word gentleman uh, deliberately because... Well, his real name was Steed Bonnet. Right. But he was known as the Gentleman Pirate. Okay, folks, so we're talking about pirates this episode, and we're talking about one howler in particular of Mikey's, a man, a gentleman, a gentleman pirate by the name of Steed Bonnet. Now, he was well-educated, came mm-hmm. from a wealthy British family. He was born in Barbados sometime in the 1680s. We're not quite sure. Mm. But he's a military guy. He, he rises through the rank to major. Mm. He retires, you know, in the early 1700s, mm-hmm. he's got a wife, he's got kids, he's got a substantial estate. Mm-hmm. And after 10 years of sitting around smoking his pipe with his feet up on the porch, yeah. one of his neighbours would recall some discomforts he found in the married state. Ah, okay, getting itchy feet, right. And he All entertains, right. and this is a direct quote, yeah. the humour of going a-pirating, which was mm-hmm. a thing, apparently. A humour? Yeah. I'm going a-pirating. <laughs> right, now, but why would he want to do that? Well, there were some mitigating circumstances. Mm-hmm. He did have a bit of a financial setback. Mm. A hurricane had decimated his sugar crop. Right. Also, too, there are theories that he was a secret Jacobite, an anti-Hanoverian. Because, of course, folks, you've got to remember now, at the you know, beginning of the 18th century, with George I on the throne, because, of course, William and Mary being called in after they kicked out the Stuarts. Exactly. So just think of this. Okay, he's heading towards middle age. He's mm. got money problems. Mm. He's 
bit caught up in conspiracy theories. He's in an unhappy marriage. Yeah. This isn't pirating, mate. This is the world's worst example of a midlife crisis. Right. And I suppose he couldn't buy a Harley Davidson back then, so he fancies a bit of Treasure Island instead. 1717. Yep. He abandons the family. Right. And buys a pirate ship. Buys yeah, a pirate unlike ship. every other pirate in the Caribbean yeah. who stole their ship, he <laughs> buys one. Right. But he needs to because, well, he wants to be captain. Right. And, well, he's not exactly an experienced maritime. He's not a sailor. But he's in the army. He's, oh, but yeah. he's in the army, not the navy. Right. Mate, he's only ever been to sea once as once. a passenger. <laughs> okay, right. All right. And But he reckons he can buy himself a ship and sail the seven seas. And he calls it the revenge. He must be been up all night thinking of that one. Middle-aged men and what they call boats. But he decks it out with 10 cannon. Right. 70 crew. Okay, so decent size. Yeah. And on his maiden voyage, mm-hmm. he sort of does a bit of piracy around the coast of Virginia. Right. And he does all right. Okay. That's mostly thanks to the crew. Ah, right. Cause, okay. Because they're all experienced buccaneers and privateers. Right, okay, yeah. All right. And also, too, he changes his name at this point. Yeah, okay. I can imagine. Yeah, Bonnie Bonnet's probably not going to be the best pirate name, is it? No, it's just not terrifying. It sounds like something from a Jane Austen novel. <laughs> no, he changes his name to Captain Edwards. Right, okay. And this is where he gets his lucky break, doesn't he, Mike? Because you said he actually meets Blackbeard, is that right? Well, yeah, not just meets him, but goes in a partnership with him. But ah. we'll explain that. Now, when we talk about Blackbeard, he was... He's the... your favourite, isn't he? Well, when I say favourite, yeah, the guy was a psychopath. <laughs> but, yeah, he was the... Unlike Bonnet, he was the real deal. Yeah. I mean, Blackbeard wouldn't even fly the Jolly Roger, the skull and crossbones. Right. Because he thought it was a bit, well, soft. <laughs> bit soft, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what did he fly? Blackbeard's flag yeah. was a skeleton plunging a spear into a bleeding heart. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, all right, okay. Yeah. But he goes into partnership with... Your man Bonnet. Well, when we say partnership, you've seen the movie Goodfellas, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, you remember the restaurateurs having yeah. trouble? Oh, okay. And he goes into that partnership, kind of partnership with the mob? All yeah. right, all right. So, anyway. So, Blackbeard, yeah. Well, mate, for a start, Blackbeard's already got four ships in his fleet. Oh, right, a whole fleet, okay. Yeah, yeah. And his flagship is called the Queen Anne's Revenge. Ah, yes, now I knew about that because that's where you just had the Queen Anne's War, hadn't you? You know, with the Spanish and the French had been attacking Her Majesty's forces in America. So he was... Getting revenge, like a code of honour. Well, not really, mate. I, I think he just sort of made it up because it sounded bad. But you have to remember, yeah, despite all their codes of honour, these pirates, they're basically outlaw biker gangs with boats. <laughs> but here's the thing. So Blackbeard says to our mate Bonnet, yes. the gentleman pirate, Captain a.k.a. Edwards, Captain yes. Edwards. Yes. Well, Captain Edwards was a bit on the chubby side for a pirate. Okay. And he was used to the finer things. Right, so he probably didn't want to go slumming it on a pirate ship very often. Well, that's the thing, because Blackbeard's got the Queen Anne's Revenge. Yeah. It's a big ship. He, ah. says, he says, look, why don't you come on my ship? Right. I'll give you a stateroom. But, well, stateroom, nice. Yes, but don't worry. Don't worry. I'll put some of my finest men on your ship and they can take care of it. Ooh, yes, take care of it. I got it. Okay, yeah, go on, talk me through it. Okay, so Blackbeard, well, he does what any self-respecting pirate would do. He reneges on the deal, tells his men to hijack the revenge. Which is Bonnet's ship. They maroon his crew. Yeah. And they drop Bonnet off at the nearest port. But actually, that's a bit of a mistake, isn't it? They should have killed him. Yeah. They should have killed him because Bonnet, by this stage, is ropeable. (laughs) He swears revenge. Right. He, not only is he after Blackbeard, but he wants to go down in history as the most feared pirate of all time. Right. And so what does he do? He goes on a psychopathic bender. Right. And, and he's, he's not just... He does actually build up quite a reputation, doesn't yeah, he? Well, he does build up a reputation for cruelty and not just to the people he plunders. Mm. He was also really nasty to his crew as well. He'd flog them for nothing. But 
unfortunately for your man Bonnet, this is his timing really is, is all wrong, isn't it? Yeah, because now it's 17 18. It's, it's not even a year since he went to sea. Mm. Now, the governor of South Carolina, mm. he, he unleashes a bloke called Colonel William Rett, who's like a pirate's worst nightmare, mate. Right. So he corners Bonnet out the front of the Cape Fear River. Ah, that's right, yeah, because this governor of South Carolina, he said, I'm going to clean up the seas. I'm going to get rid of the pirates. Yep. So a five-hour battle mm-hmm. begins. So at one point, Rhett sends up a signal, surrender, mm-hmm. and Bonnet sends up a signal back, I will blow up the ship before I surrender. Mm-hmm. And the crew say, no, you won't. <laughs> right. And, and the crew actually surrendered to him. Ah. But here's the kicker for Bonnet. When William Rhett finally gets on board Bonnet's ship, the first thing he does is he registers disappointment because he thought he was actually about to capture Charles Vane. Ah, yeah, another one of the uh, big names. A really notorious pirate. He has a bit of let down that he'd only caught the gentleman pirate. <laughs> anyway, right. Anyways, so what happens to Bonnet? Well, he gets sent off to Charlestown because yep. he's, he's now the prisoner of the governor of South Carolina. Yep. He writes a letter to the governor pleading mercy. Because, of course, he was quite a well-to-do guy originally. It, exactly. Saying, you know, he's, he's educated. It was all a bit of a mistake. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> well, that falls on deaf ears. Yeah. He then tries to escape, mm. and like everything Bonnet turns his hand to, that does not go well either. Gone. So on December the 10th, 1718, barely a year after he starts pirating, <laughs> he's hung alongside 30 other pirates as Ooh. a common criminal. Okay, folks, so there you have it. Yeah, Mikey's howler this episode. Uh, Steed Bonnet, yeah, <laughs> probably the guy who took his dress-up fantasies further than anyone else in history. And that really, Mikey, is the beginning of the end, isn't it, for piracy as we know it? Yeah, it is the beginning of the end, because later in 1718, there's a mm. bloke I'm certain you would have heard of, Woods Rogers. Ah, yes, very much so. He's a Royal Navy captain. He's also, interestingly, uh, he's famous um, even before then, because he actually had rescued Alexander Selkirk, hadn't he, from the Juan Fernandez Islands, who, of course, in literature goes down as Robinson Crusoe, you know, in Daniel Defoe's book, which comes out in 1719. And also, too, he'd been a privateer and a scoundrel himself. Ah, he'd been a bad boy, too. All right, okay. He'd once been sued by his own crew. Oh, that's not good. And he was a bankrupt. Ah, so oh, okay. his last ticket to redeem himself is he gets the gig as the first royal governor of the Bahamas. Oh, right, okay. And he's the bloke who sails over there with not only the king's pardon... Ah, but, yes. ...but also to a fleet of British warships to back him up. That's right, yeah. So he has this great idea of the, as you said, the king's pardon, whereby he will say to all the pirates, look, come over, give yourselves up, and the king will give you a pardon. You'll, be, you'll go free as long as you stop pirating. All sins forgiven. He then spends the 1720s hunting down those recalcitrant pirate ships, mm-hmm. but also, too, there are political changes in mm. the Caribbean at the time. Right. Okay, he shuts off the Bahamas as a refuge. And it's not just the Bahamas, is it, Mikey? Because all the way down from the Carolinas in the north down to the Dutch Antilles, you've got authorities saying, no, we're not going to turn a blind eye anymore, are we? Which is, And, and, and I know that's actually oh, yeah. true, and um, that they were turning a blind eye, because Back in whew, 1990s, I used to teach out in the Dominican Republic. And I, I thought I had a wild yeah. 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I know what was Hispaniola in the old days. And my house was on Escos Bay, which, yeah, Scottish Bay, uh, which is where Francis Drake used to drop anchor and hide when he was doing his pirating. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Round about the 1720s to the 1750s, all of those little safe havens, they start disappearing. Yes. And in fact, in the Western Hemisphere, I'm not saying it stops, but the wind is taken out of the pirate's sails. Right, that's right. But not quite 
um, the end of piracy completely because in the Eastern Hemisphere, as we said before, you know, when the Pope uh, split up the world between Spain and Portugal, as well as the pirates of the Caribbean, you've also got a lot of the pirates in the East Indies. And I must admit, Mikey, I couldn't let an episode of Pirates go by without mentioning my hero, James Brooke. Oh, I've heard of this bloke. Yeah, well, so he was a 19th century British soldier adventurer, if you like, you know, and he goes down in history as the White Raja, which is why you may have heard of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's born in, in India. He, he served in the East India Company. He's, he served in Bengal Army and um, being wounded. But he resigns his commission and he, he buys a ship, a bit like your man Bonnet, yeah. but he goes out to the Malay archipelago determined to go down as a blaze of glory, not as a pirate, but, but as. as the scourge of the pirates. And he single-handedly wipes out every last buccaneer and privateer in the whole of what's now Indonesia. Yeah, he crushes all the local rebellions. He restores the Sultan of Brunei, who'd been kicked out. And in return, the Sultan of Brunei appoints him the Raja of Sarawak, um, which is, hence you know why he becomes the White Raja in history, and he and he serves you know from 1842 to 1868, and it's not just the Sultan of Brunei who thanks him. He's also honoured and fated back in London for you know for putting an end to piracy. He's made Sir James Brook, and he's given the Order of the Bath. Ah, uh, this which, the Order of the Bath. Hang on, this rings a bell. Yeah, well, you probably know about this guy if you've read your copy of Flashman's Lady. I do love a Flashman book. <laughs> they, they, they are fun. Mm-hmm. 